Welcome to the Polaris PT Podcast. Join us as we dive into all aspects of health and wellness, from physical and mental to relationships and spirituality with leading experts and luminaries from a broad spectrum of specializations. I'm your host, Dr. Brig Woods, performance physical therapist and owner of Polaris PT and Wellness. On today's podcast, I have Jason France. Jason is the creator and co-founder, head mindset coach at Suffer City, a functional fitness gym in Gilbert, Arizona. He's also a certified fitness trainer with ISSA and NASM, as well as Spartan SGX and obstacle specialist. He's a graduate of the Athletes Performance Mentorship Program at Exos and is currently uh, serving as a performance coach for private clients, professional organizations. He also has a history of nine years in the Marines, seven of which were served as a recon Marine and a Marine Raider with over 200 firefights in four combat deployments. In 2008, Jason chartered the Performance and Resiliency Training Program for Marine Corps Special Operations Command, or MARSOC. He, uh, that program is still in use today, service over, servicing over 3,000 Marine Raiders. In 2019, Jason co-founded Suffer City in Gilbert, Arizona, and believing that the marketplace for generalized functional fitness had lost its way and was too focused on marketing strategy, sales processes, and gadgets to innovate the training experience. It's his intention to provide a program that enriches the training experience and delivers the best results imaginable. And with that... Jason France. Welcome, man. Appreciate you coming down. Hey, thanks for having me. Really appreciate this, Brig. Yeah. So Good if you if you guys were paying attention beforehand, I know some people tune out during the intro. I'm here with Jason France. Jason is the co-creator and visionary behind Suffer City amongst a whole bunch of other stuff. And I appreciate him taking the time out of his busy day to come down and hang out. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Cool setup you got. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. And uh, so I don't know if you've been around. People may have seen this. At least here in the Arizona, kind of greater Phoenix, Gilbert area, there's a there's a movement sort of happening called Mandate Fitness, right? Which Jason is kind of the spearhead of, and is sort of created, and is is going. That's where we're taking it, and you know, it's an interesting thing. I got I got a sweatshirt now. I got a sticker. I'm all in on Mandate Fitness. But anyway, that's kind of one one of the things we're here to talk about. So, how did how did that get started? Was Mandate Fitness coming out of your work at Suffer City or how did Mandate Fitness get started? It's a great question. There's a lot of things that we do at Suffer City in terms of <clears throat> uh, mottos, motivational quotes. We'll put things on t-shirts. And as you know, the last several years have seen an interesting transition in the way of life for society. Um, and of course, there's no secret that there's a lot of talk about mandates for one thing or another. And recently, one of our owners was traveling. Her name is Danielle, and she's a coach and trainer at Suffer City as well. She was on travel to Hawaii, and she had had several interactions during which she was unable, unable to get into an establishment, a restaurant. Um, I forget what the other venue was, but... Probably a gym. Pro yeah, exactly. So, so I just came back from Hawaii, and it was wild. I felt like I was going to a... I, I didn't even feel like I was going to... The U.S. Like I straight up had to go through like customs to right. get into Hawaii. I had to flash my my vaccination card or my negative test within 72 hours. I got a wristband. The I it pissed me off even more because my son is seven months or oh, six months old at the time. He's a big kid. He looks a little. But the guy was like, I said, they're like, where's his test? I said, he's 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 under two, man. He doesn't right. need it. And he was like, 
is he? I go, bro, he's under two. And he like gave me this kind of like side eye. And I was like, right. Okay. And I had to go through customs. I had to get, I got a, I got a wristband and a little sticker that said, I'm okay to leave the Hawaiian airport. I had to work out. I couldn't, if I wanted to go to the gym, I had to show a negative test within 48 hours or a vax card and yep. an ID. It was, yeah, it was, it was wild, brother. And what you're, you're telling the story of most people living on planet earth right now. In fact, I believe, especially in Arizona, we are within an ecosystem of to one degree or another sanity with regard to the level of liberty and, 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 you know, the ability people have to move uh, freely without a mask, without uh, a vaccination passport. Uh, that's a, that's a luxury, a privilege that we have here in Arizona right now, as you say, even within the United States and Hawaii, people are having a pretty restricted form of life. Uh, and, and to some extent we have to, we're comparing it to what we, what we know, right? We we're used to, you know, what we consider freedom and liberty, um, you know, within reason. And the last several years have seen a, a, a contraction upon that. And so Danielle was in Hawaii, as, as you've been, and so you understand what's going on over there. And it's, it's frantic. It's, you, you could say for some people, it's terrifying. To, compared, again, when we draw back on what it is we've had, and, and there's a lot to be said about that, because what it is we've had in, in our country, in the United States, has been privileged. Again, comparing to what other people are dealing with today, whether it's Australia or Austria, um, Canada, um, or what's just going on throughout the world previous, you know, prior to the COVID pandemic, the lockdowns, the restrictions, and then the mandates. And so there Danielle was uh, uh, with her kids. She had, she had two boys with her and her mother and unable to get into restaurants, gyms, bowling alleys. And, you know, she didn't make much of a fuss about it, but she had began thinking, like, I'm, I, I exercise. I take care of myself. I eat well. I do what I can to ensure there's some level of defense, homeopathic, holistic defense against known pathogens. And so that aside, from her perception, she's to one extent or another feeling targeted because of dependence upon what she believes to be healthy protocols, eating a little bit better, exercising as often as she can. Now, let's be fair here. She's got access to these things, right? So right. good on her for leveraging them um, in the service of, A, keeping herself healthy, being a good example for uh, those around her, kids included. So not able to get into a regular, you know, again, this is something we're not used to in America, right? There, there's a, a known spirit of, of, of liberty and freedom that, that we sort of feel perhaps entitled to, but definitely as though it's a, it's a responsibility that we want possession of. Well, yeah. And it's the whole thing. <clears throat> I mean, really it's the whole thing that essentially the country was, was founded upon this idea of individual liberty and personal responsibility. And right. I mean, gosh, they started a war over a 3% tax on tea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. On, the, on some level. Yeah. And I think that's worth discussing in terms of what it is we're talking about when we say freedom. 
I think on both sides of the discussion here, there's a misunderstanding of what freedom is, sure. what it means. And I look more on liberty because how free are we? I mean, there's, there's a lot of discussion on this. And we can take it all the way down to the neuroscientific debate on free will. Right. And there's a lot of discussion on that. Sure. And, and there's a lot of hard science that would contend with a lot of philosophical um, uh, ideas regarding uh, the idea of free will. One, one, one of the more modern neuroscientists, Sam Harris, has yes, done a lot of... That's what I was thinking. I was right. like, Sam Harris is and like, the, and there's, been, there's no free will. Well, and there's a lot to be said about that in sure. terms of we have to define precisely what we mean by free will. Um, you know, because at some point there is a cognitive impetus within by which you have the tendency to pull the lever. What, what Plato described, was it Plato or Socrates who said the inner no, mm -hmm. right? There's this inner no where you command the self to not do the, the, the innate primal uh, thing that, that, that you so desire to do that you know yeah. may bring about a less than desirable outcome. All right, and this is the whole thing about being human. And this goes back to what you had said about the individual and the sovereign individual, which is based upon you know, Judeo-Christian, and even before that, the idea of the sovereign individual. Well, and, and if we go back to the founding, right, because there definitely is a, a culture, right, that, that comes from where we essentially came from as a nation, and that this idea that we have inalienable rights, not rights that are given to us by the government, but rights that exist because we are human, and if you believe in God, given to us by God, rights. but recognized by government, not given by government. Precisely. And now there comes the, here comes the word game, right? There's a lot right. of word game that we're going to discuss here. And for those who don't know, real quick, about myself, I've got a pretty deep military background, spent uh, roughly nine years in the Marine Corps, most of which was special operations driven uh, with uh, the MARSOC community, the advent of Marine Corps Special Operations Command in the Raider community. And, and I spent a lot of time as well uh, studying linguistics, and I'm also uh, was fluent in Pashto, uh, can still carry on a conversation with, with, uh, with a cab driver or with a, no anybody who's uh, got a little Pashto uh, language in them. But uh, so a lot of the information I'm going to be speaking from today, a lot, of, a lot of the mental software I've got humming on the hard drive of my brain here is coming from this uh, almost a, a world view, uh, but also from a a trained, I guess, to some extent, within the uh, the areas of discussion we may be traveling upon today. And so when I speak about linguistics and the word games and some of the, um, how shall we say, the information operations that may be going on at scale, some of the uh, ways in which certain, how shall we say, um, Actors that we're used to, our, our news anchors, our, our, our media personnel, some of our uh, legislators, even some of our celebrities that, we, that we've come to know as who we think they are. Um, there's a lot of fabrication going on in the world, if you haven't noticed. Sure. And, and so as I do begin speaking about some of these things throughout the course of this conversation, depending upon where it goes, uh, I think it's worth it to the listener, uh, whomever may be listening, that... Uh, you know, I, some of this stuff comes from hands-on experience of working in this space a little bit. 100%. And so when I talk about some of the linguistics and some of the wordplay as it relates to 
you know, rights. You know, what about my rights? What about my right to do this? What about my right to do that? And this is where mandate fitness really begins to become a little bit of a paradox for people because on one hand, we get a lot of people raising their fists. It's like mandate fitness, mandate fitness. People need to work out. People, And there's a lot of, I believe, good evidence to suggest that if people ate better, if they got their metabolism active and metabolically charged themselves at some level for some amount of time, um, you know, and sort of had some way in which they could blow off some mental steam, right? Have a, have a conversation about the bad day. If there's, if there were some ways in which that was regularly done for most people, it's likely we would have better health outcomes. Not, not like, I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, it's a veritable certainty. <laughs> right. In fact, like I think, gosh, I can't think of the paper right now. I'll have to look back for it, but they like even showed, right. As if we're talking purely about the pandemic, mm -hmm. that the worst outcomes are for people that have comorbidities, right? Either, either it be obese, obesity, it be diabetes. But what they also saw was though, interestingly enough, people that were overweight or obese that still engaged in cardiovascular exercise. Mm -hmm. or stress right. to their system still fared better than people who were sedentary and obese. So interesting that, right. That, but this idea of stressing your body, putting your body through exercise does, I mean, it just, it does lead to better outcomes. It comes down to heat. And that, that's another, it's a heat problem. Genuinely. It, yeah. It's a, it's a metabolic heat problem. And, you know, quickly talk about it because it's worth discussing that this this idea that people have about their rights. I think it's a, it's a worthy discussion. Yeah, let's do it. The, the, there's a lot of heat that people have, not metabolically, but psychologically. Did you just see this Huberman lab? Do you know who I'm talking about? I've, I'm familiar with Dr. Huberman, another okay. neuroscientist. Have you, right? yeah, have you seen his most recent post? I have not. No. Okay. Is this is this is wild. I'm just going to pull this up real quick. So for those of you that can't see this, you need to go to Huberman Lab on Instagram. Dude posts some wild, some really cool stuff. He's yeah, the he's, head of he's good. he's he's the head of uh, lab director at Stanford Med. Check this out. Talking about a heat problem. This is oh, boop! It's exactly what I'm talking about. This is the heat signature. That's so fascinating yeah. that your body does during all of these emotions. Interesting enough, like so, when I have anxiety, like have an anxiety, I've had anxiety in the past. It looks just like that, or it feels just like that. Looks feels like it, like a like an atom bomb going off in my chest, and the mushroom cloud just expanding outward. But how crazy is that? That yes. So this is some of the concepts that, you know, I've, I've been putting together with regard to a lot of the metabolic heat crisis. And, and if you're comfortable with that, if you yeah. want to send me that, I can even put it in the show notes or we can put a link to it somewhere. Be happy to. Yeah. And that's interesting that uh, Huberman puts that on there because, you know, we're getting all over the place here. But real quick with regard to what we're talking about with these heat signatures and what's happening metabolically and why even somebody who may be obese or in a state of uh, metabolic unhealth who's moving who has some metabolic heat active within the system they're not experiencing as severe symptoms to this new pandemic right, right. well why is that what does he do he kills shit yeah let's be honest right right like what do you if you got water you need to purify it turn the heat up right right and now so there's it's, so it's simple as that it's thermogenics it's it's the law of thermodynamics at play it's simple and there's a lot of discussion too when we talk about the ecosystem and how do we improve climate change and there's a lot of ways to do it um, but they're 
not so direct. It's not like, well, just improve the climate change or just pull particles out of the air, which could be done, but it's not, we need to take this from a multi-directional approach, right? right? One of the, this is what economists describe, is if people exercised more, in fact, just a little bit more, a little bit, we would see an exchange of CO2 emissions, completely different right? as compared to what we see now with regard to plants, the way they're able to grow because of the CO2 humans put off an aggregate would have a dramatic effect, a dramatic cooling effect. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is I was, oh gosh, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about actually showed like from a satellite view because of the CO2 emissions, we actually have more greenery now. Right. There are places that are actually more green just well that's how in fact in, the, in well i mean it's photosynthesis right right so CO2, right. So there's more, there's, right there's more yeah. co2 but it's interesting right they're like we're killing off right this right. and human interaction well, there's styles of co2 right? right so there's a difference between the emissions coming out of the rear end of your vehicle yeah, carbon monoxide. and then the emissions the heat energy that's emanating off of our bodies 100 and and so there's a lot of discussion there with regard to you know how do we solve for these global issues right which is a fascinating uh, discussion, but some of it has to do with what you're looking at there with the transfer of heat out of the psychological space of the mind, moving it into the meta metabolical space, metabolical, the metabolic space, work. Of, the metabolic space of the body. And then we've get these physiological effects that result back into neurological mm -hmm. effects, which have these psychological correlates, yeah. which is a lot of what I like Huberman describes a lot of is having the, another great doctor, Dan, Dan Siegel, has fantastic literature on our neurological correlates to the psychological experience. And if we could practice certain techniques, whether they're mental techniques, uh, language techniques, meditation, prayer, have similar effects on the brain's physiology to augment the psychology, which is how we experience what it's like to be ourselves, and therein having a relief effect, right? It's kind of relieving ourselves of these psychological burdens through mindful practice. Sure. And so that, that goes a lot into what Huberman's there uh, describing. And so a lot, a lot of space to cover here with our conversation. Right. Uh, going back to the distinction that I think may be leading to a lot of the issues we're experiencing today in America, rights, where, whereas we do grow up with these inalienable rights or being told and taught and educated upon these inalienable rights. The degree to which we're taught how to use them responsibly however, has seemed, at least in my generation, and I believe myself to be uh, a result of, of several generations of switching the idea of a right as something that must be leveraged in the service of community and, and, and in the, the financing of the future through Again, this metabolic effort, these, these responsible uses of rights, in other words, known as responsibilities. And so, sure, at this point, we're starting to see this taking away of certain rights. And, well, why is this? Well, people are sick. Right? We can't deny that. No, people we are sick. We can't deny that. And, but I would argue they were, they were sick before the pandemic. We could take it back. People are dying. Yeah. All right now... What's exactly causing there's this whole argument now? Well, and, and sorry, of, real quick, when, when I say people are sick, I mean, people were still sick. I mean, in, in huge numbers, we just, it was acceptable sickness. Cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer in America. Right. Far. Um, is, as are most preventable illnesses. Right. Are still killing people 
at a size and scope that makes COVID embarrassed. Right. And, and yet we weren't to, I guess my point is there's, I guess, I don't know what's different about this, why this became a bigger deal than when we've been dealing with people were sick to this at a larger scale before. Well, the big argument here is the contagion, right? So the contagious effect, right? You can't catch heart disease at this, you and I having this discussion. That's true. So that's where a lot of people will have, we've got to do something, right? Now it's about the other person. Right. And that goes, so we can, so I think that real quick, there's a breakdown. I think listeners who, who are noticing a breakdown maybe in their community or in society, ask yourselves about your rights and your freedoms and entitlements that we have as a product of living in America, running water, clean running water. I wake up in the morning, I turn my faucet on. Do I want it cold? Do I want it hot? Do I want a hot shower today? Yeah. Do I want a cold shower today? Well, and I lived in Korea for two years. First, that's a first world. I mean, by all accounts, that's a first world country. Right. You couldn't right. pay me enough money to drink the water without boiling it there or drinking it purified <laughs> still. Got to heat it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's something that, f- frankly, I think it's u- worth acknowledging at least at one point during the day but especially as early in the day as you can realize that things work here i turned the lights on the lights i flipped the switch the lights came on it's interesting to see people posting about uh lack of groceries you know i don't have five different types of oatmeal this oat milk this week like what's going on i can't get my steel cutouts <laughs> i've got to i've got to eat the regular instant crap yeah right and, and even still, we're insulated here in the east valley of phoenix in, in, in arizona i think there's still a lot of insulation that we experience even within what's going on in harder places or places harder hit by this pandemic in the country uh, when you look around at it, some of the even in America, to say undeveloped countries, but or undeveloped cities, but there are a lot of communities within our country who are struggling to a degree where you would almost think that they're living in a third world country when you look at some of the the reporting coming out of places. And so, w- what does that have to do with? Again, when we look around over the past decade, three, four, forty years, how much responsibility have we been taking? Genuinely. Now, there's an argument to be made for that, too, because, again, mandate fitness isn't just about encouraging people to mandate fitness upon themselves, because part of that is what I think is needed right now, because it's easy to point the finger, right? It's easy to point the finger across the way and be like, hey, if you guys would just get out of the way, we'd be fine. Right. right. And both sides of, of, of whether it's on the side of uh, health and fitness and whether or not it's, it's, it's a classist idea. Uh, is it all about aesthetic? You know, is it all about, you know, the gear? Is, is it fat? Like it's a hard time to really put the definition and meaning into what fitness is today. And so when we look at it, when we look at it, it's really about what, what we define fitness as is one's willingness to leverage and use what's within their ability, right? Because you and I woke up today. We each have different abilities. You could probably deadlift for 50, 550. Yeah, I'm up there. Wow, right? I'm not going to do that. No, but you'll outrun me. <laughs> well, who knows? All you got to do is run, <laughs> far, run far enough for me to tire out. Right. But I'm not going to chase you anymore. Right. And now within, within this world of weightlifting, though, let's call this a fitness domain, weightlifting. It's a fitness domain. Am I, if I compare myself here, you know, to Brig and I'm trying to deadlift, you, you know, a Toyota Tundra, I'm going to feel unable to do that. I'm going to feel unhealthy. I'm going to feel like, man, I'm not measuring up. Right. 
And I can play that game. And, and we all know, perhaps, if you're out there listening, psychology is a motherfucker. Yeah. Right? We, could, we're, we could be our own worst enemy a lot of the times, especially when we're playing this comparison game. And I could understand how somebody could look at Mandate Fitness and be like, Mandate Fitness? Why am I trying to worry about my deadlift right now? And I'm trying to make sure my kid can get fed next week. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to make sure I don't get, lose my job. I'm worried. I got things going on that, that, that are actual pains upon my existentialism, like my ability just to exist as a human here or being infringed upon. And so people see Mandate Fitness and they're thinking like, why am I going to get a gym membership? It's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm saying for the last 60 years of our lives, our ability to leverage our rights, our ability to leverage these responsibilities to become healthier and fitter versions of ourselves, they've been swapped out. They've been straight taken away. And whether or not it's for whether or not people think it's for our better interest to create a welfare state and to tell people you don't have to do anything, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. We'll take care of you. That's not what we're asking for. That's not when we talk about what our country was founded upon, that is not it. No, that is not it. And but there's again, we have a, a, a very thin line upon which we need to, to, to tread here when we talk about what America was founded upon, because what we are also describing as we go further and further into this ecosystem of big government, in, in some extent, mandate fitness is a call for a, a reduction of not just big government, but an improvement a thorough improvement and, and, and a decoupling of our regulators and those who they are supposed to be regulating. Right. There's got to be a decoupling system there. I mean, you look at 19, what was it, 71, Nixon, full exchange, human health, for what? Profit. It's, your listeners can look this up. Go to YouTube right now. Nixon, Kaiser Permanente, traded health out. It's a recorded conversation. The way in which, so yeah, our, so I for because I personally don't know about it, right? So essentially, what do you talk like? What do you mean Nixon traded out? So in 1971, uh, Edgar Kaiser, it's his first name, Kaiser Permanente. People sure. are probably familiar. Yeah, big, had proposed big huge HMO in in HM, Calif California, and I think they're even in Hawaii. So the idea was proposed, and Nixon was not a big healthcare president wasn't a big advocate for healthcare, but in this particular case a for-profit model seemed to work not just a for-profit model it was a profit model that stated the less care provided the more money we make that's been the model since mm -hmm. see i would argue that's the, that's been the model of insurance companies Oh, sure. And even from the nationalized, and that's where I say, the more nationalized healthcare we get, oh, yeah. the more these insurance companies will benefit as a product of them being nested in to the system. So let's be you know how much money United Healthcare made last year? I'm unfamiliar. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I look, I'm, I'm not opposed to a business making money. Right. But you know how much they made? $28 billion. That's right. profit. Twenty-eight right. billion dollars. Do you know how much maximum, how much your out-of-pocket costs went up if you were on United Healthcare? No, two hundred percent. Two hundred percent. Your out-of-pocket costs went up two hundred percent. United Healthcare made twenty-eight billion dollars, and that's yeah. the group of people that's telling you how much healthcare you can have. 
Now, yeah. so just real quick aside, that's why I do what I do the way I do it. I don't want to have to have the insurance company tell my patients how much physical therapy they can have. Right. Right. And that's why we do it for an, that's why if you've been to physical therapy in a, in an insurance based model, that's why your physical therapist sees four people an hour or three people an hour and you get 15, 20 minutes of his or her time. Precisely. And those policies, these, these are policies now. Yeah. These are ways in which we are going to live our life whether we like it or not. And this is, that's what mandates are. I can't drive my car 100 miles down the road. Mandate says otherwise. Right. Breaking the law. Right? There's a lot of things we can't do. And this is why I say people think of freedom as they're free. I'm like, you're free? I'm like, all right, tell your girlfriend they're going to go out with another girl today. Like, how <laughs> yeah, fr- see, see, how, see, see how well that goes See over. how free you feel in that moment. Yeah. Right? And so there's, a, there's the psychology of freedom, which is great. And there's the reality of freedom, which is different. And there's rights and there's responsibilities, mm-hmm. which as Americans, all of us at this time need to look at each other in the eyeballs and say it's time. It's time to take what we have as a privilege, as a product of being born in this great country because it's us. It's the energy within the system that makes it either useful or not as useful for the rest of the world. And as we can join forces, it's going to take the, 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 the masses is what we're starting to realize. You, you know, as you, there's a recent uh, meeting in Davos, Switzerland. Perhaps your listeners are familiar with the World Economic Forum. I saw uh, that. Yeah, gentleman Klaus Schwartz, uh, Klaus Schwab, and, and a host of others. I mean, these are the president of China, uh, Xi Jinping was uh, honored at the beginning of this whole thing, and, and that doesn't sound sinister at all. Well, and is what is terrifying <laughs> is, I mean, he's really being congratulated for what he's done over over the the, the past uh, decade plus um, uh, of his uh, prime ministership, I guess. Is who Xi Jinping? Yeah, that's not prime minister. He's president. Full president. He's full president. Right. Dictator for life. Head of the party. Oh yeah. There, so there's, I mean, he makes he makes billionaires disappear. And what's <laughs> interesting about it is the doctrine by which he governs is based upon the nine philosophies of Western governorship. The antithesis of them. So yeah. he has what's known as the nine dangerous traits of Western society. Okay. First of which is constitutional democracy. Right. Get rid of it. Yeah. And this is, again, this is known. He, oh, he yeah, no. Very, very cited by anybody uh, who pays attention to what's going on in China. It's a very surveilled state. state. Yeah, you got social credit scores. Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, no voting, as you said. Uh, familial hierarchy. So within the family, as he goes away, it ought to be somebody within the family that takes over. Um, and, and any business is has the government ownership piece. Yeah, of it. and I think you know Ray Dalio, uh, a lover of China, actually recently described it more as a uh, the way a, a parent looks after their kids, as okay. the way the governor, uh, the government is there, as they've recently disappeared. Uh, a top tennis player after she had yeah. uh, made known of some certain allegations regarding some heads of state there. Who was the other? He was a billionaire. He dis- they disappeared him for a little while too. What was his name? You know, if you, if you that, oh yeah, Jack Ma. Jack yeah. Ma got, got pushed. Yeah, pushed. he got he got he got disappeared for a while. Right. And then came back very very penitent. And, and what's terrifying about this is people that are 
running large-scale corporations uh, in our country, people who are politicians in our country, people who are, you know, in the State Department, people who have a lot of decision-making power in our country are involved working with these same people, making decisions in other countries about how we are going to be living our lives. The fascinating thing about this is you continue to hear about diversity, equity, inclusion, which are great. Who's not for diversity? Right. Like, who's not for equity? Right? Who's not for inclusiveness and inclusion? Maybe some people who we have over time driven into their own little corner of the world. Well, and, and, and just quick question. When you're talking about equity, are you right. talking about equality or equity? Well, I think the better term is is the equality, the equality of opportunity, the there path towards So that's entirely work. different than equity. And then there's... Because equity would say that we're all going to finish up at the same place. Right. And now I, there's a lot to be said about not necessarily finishing up because you know, there's a lot to be... I, I, there's this interesting video that uh, our Vice President Kamala Harris had put out uh, leading into the uh, election about equity and about the idea of everybody should finish at the same place. Yeah. Really? Try telling that to the Golden State Warriors basketball team. Yeah, try telling that to Elon Musk. Or, well, think about it. If I'm on a basketball team, you're on a I don't play basketball, by the way, but I know if I was on a team and it was suddenly deemed that we all have to score the same amount of points at yeah. the end of the game, then it's like, okay, based upon what? Do you get more shots? Do I get more shots? Is it just however many shots I get, I get? Or is it how many shots I make, I make? How do we arrive at this point at which we've all scored the same amount? And how many shots do I have to purposely miss so that you get your buckets? I give you my shots. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and, and so that it just becomes a challenge then. I mean, even within, a, and I'm looking at a microcosmic expression of what we're talking about in terms oh, yeah, of 380 million people creating equity, right? How do we do that? Yeah. So yeah, you have the idea of equitable opportunities moving forward for people regardless and, and i recognize right that there people start at different there's not everybody starts on the on the starting line at the same right some people start way back here right and i think well, we've been talking about that i mean as a product yeah. of being born in america you have just been gifted into the top one percent of all humans who have ever existed on planet earth ever oh well right and I mean, even within our country though right i mean somebody who starts off in Southside inner city of Chicago has a much different starting point. I mean, we all have a similar starting point, equality under the oh, law, sure. but this guy in Southside Chicago has a different starting point for sure than the guy who was in, uh, in Connecticut. Thousand percent. And depending upon where they want to go, they're going to have a harder or easier time getting there. Right. And so it's going to be tough for the guy in Connecticut probably to convince people that he's going to be a rapper. Right. Right. Yeah. Where it might be a little easier for the for for the gentleman in, in uh south side, of chicago. south side of chicago to find the path towards becoming a rapper now flip it around right, right? maybe one guy wants to float yachts in the atlantic so you get the point yeah so and i'm with you a thousand percent on that it's a challenge and that's what we sort of were hitting upon with regard to the mandate fitness thing where it's like hey i understand it not everybody can go get a gym membership down the street um and so there's there's a lot to be said with regard to the equity game. But what's interesting about it is those who are defining it, those who are imposing it, regulating it, are doing so, making these decisions. Are they? Are we involved in the decision? No, generally <laughs> How not. How included do you feel? Like we're not at 
Davos, Switzerland, at the World Economic Forum. We're not at these UN meetings. Uh, now, people- No, and in fact, I think in that very meeting, they talked about how we, the elites, the they more or less in those words said, we are the ones who need to define and decide what's right for yeah there's an interesting yeah there, there's a, a, a video going around right now of, a, of a, I, I can't recall the woman's name but she had said to one degree in quote it the good news is there's a poll there's a poll that goes around every couple of years called the edelman survey the edelman oh. survey surveys pretty well off individuals and, and you know business people uh, people that have some net worth at least uh, people that those who were involved in Davos care enough about the survey. Sure. And the survey results came back and this woman was citing the survey, at which point she said, the good news is that we, the elite, we, the elite, yeah. are more trusting of each other. We trust each other more than ever in history. Yeah. The bad news is the populations, the people, that are not elite, trust us less than ever. As well they should. Well, the very <laughs> nature of the discussion out of the gate is a non-starter. Right. To claim we're going to talk more about inclusivity, diversity, equity, and we're going to do it in a very exclusive, very unilateral. What's the one single component or factor that brings us all together? Power and money. Well, and, the, and the, what's funny is the irony is totally lost on them. I mean, it's, it's this conversation of we, the elite, are going to talk about what's right for everybody else in this inclusiveness, this diversity, but yet there's no inclusivity or diversity at their conversation. It, it's a very fascinating position from which to run the world. Yeah. And, and I think we're, we're beginning to see that. I think this is something that a lot of people have felt throughout their lifetime. It's something that... People have talked about to some extent. Um, to some regard or another, people lose their careers over this. There's a gentleman in New York right now on house arrest who won a lawsuit against Chevron in another country for what Chevron had done. There's a great Netflix documentary about this, in fact. Currently, won the lawsuit for indigenous personnel, can't think of the name of the country right now, he has been for the last several years of his life pursued he his on house arrest as i mentioned for a judgment's uh ruling with regard to uh him saying something in court that wasn't a big deal so why he's being held captive in his own home um is really irrelevant in, in terms of what legal people would say legal authorities then you come to find out that, that same judge has some investments in certain companies that also were with Chevron. The lawyers who filed the suit against the gentleman who's now held captive in his own house are also the same law firm that does legal suits for Chevron. And you're seeing this regular pattern play out where people are trying to peel the onion back to kind of get a better look of what's going on. And really, at the end of the day, Brig, you and I are trying to live our lives. Most of our listeners right now, they're getting their kids to soccer practice. They're picking their kid up from soccer practice. They're trying to get to the gym maybe. You've got PTs that are listening to you, trying to get a better scope of knowledge about how to improve their clients' lives, how to improve their patients' lives. Should we be so concerned about what's going on in a tiny little town in Switzerland right now? 
No, we genuinely shouldn't until you start seeing what's going on in your own communities because this is where language gets changed. This is where what it means to be a boy or what it means to be a girl gets changed. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, if we want to go back, I, I'm still working my way through it, but, you know, 1984, doublespeak, right? This idea that we change definitions, we change how things... Was it? Truth, well, there's yeah. truth, doublespeak, truth, truth speak. speak, right? But the language, language has language has real power. And so that's where I go back to the point where I'm a linguist. Yeah. And I see these games being played. I see these information operations being played. I see terms like gain of function being twisted around, renegotiated into something else that doesn't mean what it used to mean until it means something else. Well, and, and we do this, right? I mean, so couple things. One, we do this to ourselves, right? Either through media, politicians, right? Changing meanings and definitions and using language that way. Foreign actors try to use language to spread disinformation campaigns or right. propaganda here, here in the United States. Right. And, and we also do that abroad. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, to speak to your point there, I mean, it, it's worth describing a little bit where, you know, I'm a gym owner now. Right. Yeah. And that I opened a gym in 2019 after I, from my position, found a, a creative way to train 12 to 20 people at one time effectively. And it was right around 2017 that I quit the job I had and started working on this project. And as you know, Trump was elected in 2016 and then began a fascinating couple of years, which led up to 2019, 2020, where we had COVID. But again, I began to see fascinating patterns that I had not ever seen before leading up to where we're at today. And it started in 2016. We just kept moving on and moving on and moving on to where the patterns are so clear and they're loud. And you see it happening with regard to the Joe Rogan incident now where the seams have burst, the wheels have come off, the gloves have come off. And you're seeing an there's no discussion on the table. If anybody's not, if people aren't paying like going through rigorous effort to pay attention to, to news, not the media, but to news, to get the news. If they're not diligent, the spin is going to drive people into an ecosystem, an eco chamber of unilateral thinking that is going to cannibalize our country. Yeah, it's tribalism. It's precisely what it is. And the way in which it has been administered i mean there's been it's been a fascinating um uh, strategies tactics techniques procedures that have been used very sophisticated very nuanced as well and you know it's the way in which you sell somebody a coca-cola how do i sell somebody 56 grams of sugar like how do i do that yeah right and then we learn from this stuff right well how do we convince people right now to just stay indoors right and then they continue to stay indoors and then to continue to stay indoors and then to continue to wear masks and then to continue to get shots and then continue to get shots. And from somebody who, like you're like I'm a business guy, my goal is to live in a world that is as it appears to be. And that it's just so loud and it's just crumbling upon us and it's unavoidable at this point. Something's got to be said, and that's where I come back to the focus of looking at each other in the eyeballs at this point, looking across to our neighbors, and, and whether or not we have an idea about 
the origins of COVID, the, the uh, results of COVID, what it means if you get COVID or I get COVID, all of that could be shelved in the service of improving how we've been doing what we've been doing. Because right now there's been a full-on attempt to deconstruct what it is we have here. Right. And and back to your point, you were talking about language, right? I didn't mean to derail you. Oh, no worries. You were talking about language, right? Like, and how you see that coming back around, what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl, right? And how that is, how, how that's playing out in our communities. Well, it's confusing. It's a confusion operation to, I mean, think about what we're going to be dealing with in 15 years when the 15 year olds of today are 30. And a lot of them, I mean, maybe not as many as, 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 Sometimes I could possibly think, but more than we would like right now, aren't thinking about what they're going to do when they're 30, 25, or 20 years old. A lot of the 15-year-olds right now are still trying to make out whether or not they should be a boy or should be a girl. There's a lot of confusion right now about at which end of the male to female spectrum do I fall, which is interesting that it's even a discussion about male or female at this point. I had understand that if it was just about boy, girl, man, woman, the psychological framework to construct either or could be different. And I could understand there'd be a slip into one or a slip into another. And there's fairly good literature. To, we should to, call those tomboys and more right. effeminate men. Right, right. And we're all sort of dealing with these masculine and feminine energies within us. Um, but to educate, to to proactively educate, seemingly, I, I use quotations here, educate, our youth, our young kids these days, as, as influential as they are, into these ideas that, I mean, not only are they complex, but how accurate do we know them to be? What, what are the results of these ideas? I think we've seen some of them play out in the past, mm-hmm. and there may not be enough discussion about where a lot of these ideas lead into the future. Well, and I think the, the problem is, is it's hard to have any kind of a real discussion about these things because the minute, even if you really are a good faith actor who really is just like, Hey, I really want to have this discussion. I want to learn where you're coming from. I want to challenge this idea a little bit and, and, and get to figure this out. Right. You're labeled as a hateful person or you could be, you, you know what I mean? This, this idea that you don't, Oh, you don't, the science is decided. You're a terrible person. You hate trans people or you hate this community, right? You and, know what's interesting? And it silences yeah. people. It, it, it shrinks the Overton window to the point where now you are no longer within what's acceptable as part of good society. Now, now do you think that the interactions people have on social media, you oh, know... Has, social has, media is a terrible forum for this. Because I don't experience as much of that discourse that you just described in real life like if no like for instance if somebody approaches me at a costco or somewhere and says hey so I need, I need you to put a mask on all right or um would you be so kind as to to do this for me yeah well, sure you know I'm, right? and, and i similarly i would oblige on, on a social media form not that somebody would ask me to do that but no i, I would have these same compassions but you would and i would imagine to some degree a lot of other people who may not have that same thinking about the, the the masking or whatever it may be, they'd probably oblige to some extent in person. And, and then when they get on the their little social media box, though, 
Yeah. Right. It's quick to to throw throw uh, flames. One hundred percent. And and this idea, right? And I've said this. I've been saying this the whole time. Most people, I think, most Americans, most people here, like you said, they they just care about putting food on the table. They care about making sure their lights are on, that their kids are happy and healthy, right? And, and social media is this. M- magnification is amplification of this tiny tiny subset of of the country that is amplified to where we think that's what it really is but you're right most conversations i have with people in person are civil most of them are hey compassionate or you know what sure i'll do this for you i'm not right and i think that's that's the reality but unfortunately um it was oh is it gad sad sad God sad. God's yeah. They, you know what I'm talking, talking about. Yeah, I, I, but but he was talking A's in there. But yeah. he was talking about this idea of an intransigent minority that has the ability to create, become the the change the thinking of, of everybody. And he uses this idea of like, let's say I show up at my house or my kid shows up. Let's say I've got a family of five, right? Okay. Got three kids, mom, dad. Okay. One of the kids shows up and says, "Hey, mom, dad, I'm vegan." No matter what you make, I will not eat it unless it's vegan. Right. Now here's, and they will not, right? So mom and dad go, yeah, sure he will. So they make food and he doesn't eat it. Like, oh my gosh, he's not eating our food. So guess what? Mom's not making two dinners. Mom's stressed. So guess what mom does? Indulges kid and says, all right, well, we're all eating vegan. Right. Right. So now (laughs) this one kid has now gotten the whole family to become vegan. Now this family goes to, let's say, a party at their friend's house or whatever. And the friends know, Oh, this family's vegan. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we better have vegan snacks. So it's easier to just, so now all the snacks at the party are vegan. So now everybody is eating vegan at the party. Right. And so on and so on. (laughs) And it's this idea that this, this small intransigent, really small minority has now made it life so seemingly difficult for the vast majority of people that this is what we think is normal. But if you actually went out in the, in the general populace and talk to people and had these conversations and yeah, find right. that people yeah. are more willing to just engage and, and talk and be compassionate. panicking about yeah. the, 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 the vegan coming over to dinner. Right. <laughs> but, but so take that now with these ideas about fitness or right. Fat phobia. Right. Or that hotels are fat phobic because they have normal sized toilets and normal sized, right. And they don't have these giant things that accommodate well, it goes both ways. The you know, obese. It's, you know, and those same people that'll be upset about, you know, the bathroom not being big enough. And I, I'm not familiar with that. I, I'd imagine that that's going on. Oh, it's a thing. Um, yeah, it's a thing on social media anyway. You, you know, it's those same people will get mad at the billionaire for buying a bigger yacht. It's like, so there's, there's our problem. Yeah. There's the conundrum we're having, right? The guy's yacht's probably bigger because you're fatter. Yeah. Right? Or overweight, whatever you want to call it. And there's this poor there's a very troubling dichotomy we have where let's say I am the parent, right? Now I'm not a parent, but if I, let's say I'm the parents of, let's say a 12 year old, 13 year old, and they're going to school. And I find out that, you know, maybe they're serving some less than great things. And the reason why that's in the, the foods going into my kid's tray, that's not healthy for them is because policy has been written to ensure that, you know, craft is making more money that so that they call donuts now bread or they'll call ketchup tomato, which is actually public policy. Your yeah. Ketchup is deemed a, t- a vegetable. 
so that we could put more high fructose corn syrup into your kids' veg or into your meals. That's and, so sad. And that's that's how that's going. So that's you know interesting. Um, where was I going with that? The uh, with regard to a lot of well, that again goes down to the word games that people are playing. And it goes back to what you're talking about with the fight against fitness to some extent and how body positive becomes a, a new term, which is great. And we want people to feel great in their bodies. I'm a, I'm a health practitioner. I'm a fitness guy. What I help people achieve more often than not is the experience of their result because they're already getting results. Yeah. So many people have a hard time experiencing their progress. And so I understand how there's a body positive movement going on, especially after the last 40 years. Again, you look at where we've moved the idea of fitness from a metabolic position where fitness is to move forward in life in one way, shape or form, produce. Then it turned into a more of aesthetic. We get comfortable, we get relaxed. Why not? Because we want to look nice. They look nice. I want to look nice. The things are in place to do it. We've got the time. We've got the space here in America. You know, ever since post-World War II. Yeah, Industrial Revolution. and A lot of things were happening. Then we get the, the credit boom. You know, a lot of things became accessible for us. Well, and yeah, and I don't want people to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that if you're overweight or you're out of shape that I, that I don't want you to, to like yourself or right. love who you are or, 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 right, I don't want you to get depressed. I don't want you to feel badly about yourself. That's not what I want. No, what no, I'm no. saying is, so that... Yeah, you should love yourself, but you should also love yourself enough to feel like, you know what, it would be important for me to be more metabolically healthy. It would behoove me to be able to be more functional right. in my life and also not necessarily be, you know, such a, a cost, a medical cost, right? So, and I look at, I help people achieve and do the things that they want to do with the body that they have mm -hmm. so that that and, and and you probably see this too right people gain confidence when they can do things with their body that they couldn't otherwise which yeah. then gives them confidence to do other things in life like ask for that raise go yeah. after that person that they've that they've been crushing on right and try to pursue them or yeah. to do to create movement in relationships either with their family or otherwise right to so i think that when we're more metabolic, and this goes back to an earlier thing, when we're more metabolically healthy, we're far more productive and we're far more yeah, productive as a society and things get better for everybody. Right. And what's, what's interesting about the point you were making with the vegan family, and I think that's kind of where we got into the idea about tomato ketchup, yeah. um, <laughs> is I think the, the interesting thing there is ideas start somewhere. And we would like those ideas to be useful, sustainable ideas. And to the degree that veganism is, is useful, well, when people compare it to, a, to the standard American diet, yeah, you being a vegan would probably be helpful. Sure. And so people are like, well, veganism is the new thing. Then you get Atkins diet and you get these interesting ways now in which people will manage their, their health care and their nutrition. Um, but like you said, you know, it starts sometimes with that vegan to go out there and make somebody make some corrections. And then it goes back to this simple idea of whether it's mandate fitness or whether it's get yourself in alignment with 
just self-improvement and utilizing the idea of what you were talking about with regard to the foundation of our country and the individual and having some sense of, I don't like the word pride, but, but responsibility for yourself is really what it comes down to. Self-respect. While also going back to the idea of we need to get on the hot tails of our congressmen, our senators, our leadership, our it's hard to get on the, on, on, on the media with regard to the freedom of speech because that, that's a great thing all on out. But you're seeing what's happening with CNN. You're seeing what's happening with the mainstream media these days as there's new outlets, right? Which is a way to tell the media like, hey, we're not going to listen to what's been advocated for for the past, again, 40, 50, 60 years. Why more people listen to Joe Rogan on any episode Isn't than, that great? And than any show or, right. com- or combination of them all on CNN. And that's what's fantastic. And now people are able to watch truth unfold, not sound bit, not cut to commercial. And it's, it's fascinating people. And, and it's it, a three hour, like three, two, three, four. He just did four hours with Jordan Peterson. That speaks to the intellect of, of the audience, not just of, of Joe Rogan, but to the American audience and the worldwide audience at large wants insightful intellectual discourse they want to see exactly and it doesn't happen in 30 seconds or a minute and that's what so many people are exposed to these days and it's it's chomping away at our ability to pay attention it's chomping away at our kids ability to go out and mobilize as they're stuck to the screen and it's chomping away at anybody's ability really to stay focused at work i mean one of the biggest things you see that happening with people is it's not just you looking at your screen at the screen time it's hey there was a certain amount of time before you got on the phone and there's a little bit of time after you get off the phone where you're still useless where it's like you're still on the phone and then most interactions with the phone happen after the last one, meaning within a short time period after the initial phone interaction you have of the day, it's like a dopamine hit, yeah. constant dopamine hit, as a lot of psychological literature What's suggests. The guy, oh God, I don't know. I, 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 the microphone gets in front of my face and I, and I become stupid. I know. I've noticed who's that. I realized that with this thing. Guy found an Apple. Uh, Steve Jobs. Thank you. Brilliant, man. Yeah. But brilliant in that he knew exactly what this was. And didn't allow his kids to have them. Right. Well, I think a lot of the tech industry titans these days ensure that there's a full reprimand of the uh, use of those tools for their own kids. I mean, and again, these are a lot of research for whoever decides to research this stuff. Like, hey, of all the CEOs in Silicon Valley, how many of their kids are using phones? People read, go to Google Scholar, you can research it. And you'll find, yeah, in fact, they do put a tight restraint upon their own kids and themselves even yeah. from using them. Yeah, and so no. it does say a lot with regard to the, uh, I'd, I'd written a, a, an article about two years ago, was it during the uh, Tiger King days, uh, yeah. about the function of social media and also the way in which people were being militarized online as a result of sharing some graphic content or sharing some hateful post maybe they thought it was funny to some extent or maybe they're really trying to get a rise out of people but the amount of insane righteousness and the polarization that we caused ourselves as a part of being like i'm just gonna send that i'm just gonna post that that meme was that that. meme was funny (laughs) And, and in some regard a lot of these things are funny and i get it but some you can there's that line where there's an insensitivity that people are aiming for. Oh yeah. And 
and, and again, if, if anybody's trying to change anybody's mind, right, if you disagree with somebody and you want to change their mind, um, you know, a meme might not be the best way, but definitely a meme that goes to straight insulting them is not going to be the useful well, tool. No, but this is also the culture, right? We're, we're the culture that's now made the real housewives of insert city celebrities, right? Housewives of insert city? Yeah, just like, so the, right now the current season is the real housewives of Salt Lake City. Okay. Or the real housewives oh, right, of Beverly right, Hills right, yeah. or the real housewives of whatever, right? Yeah. These are not great people. Right. But we tune in and they become celebrities because they're awful to each other. They're awful to other people. Right. And yeah. anger is a far easier emotion to tap into than compassion, understanding, forgiveness. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that speaks to this idea of polarization and why it's interesting. We yeah. forget we've we've like you talked about echo chambers. We dive in deep into these echo chambers and Instagram and Facebook and tech giants. They're not stupid. So their algorithms right. give you more of the heroin, right? The informational or outrageous indignation that you're looking for. Right, right, they right. keep feeding you that. These guys are smart. And so, yeah. And so we descend into this tribalism and we forget that at the end of the day, we actually are all part of the same tribe. We're all Americans. And what's interesting is somebody brought this, I'd heard this the other day and I thought about that. Oh, that actually is, rings a little bit true to me, but there's no ethnic test to be American. You can't be a Korean. Right. You can't be Japanese. You can't even be Chilean. Right. That's or, interesting, or yeah. Spanish, right? Unless I don't know your background, but, right. but you can't be any of those things because you're not that, right? Now, but there's no ethnic identity Right. What it means to be an American. Some people may argue, okay, well, Indians, right? But or Native Americans, First Nations. Right. But the only thing that we ask that unites Americans Isn't that cool? is that yeah, that we all subscribe to these ideals. It's very culture. It's, it's, it's a it's a culture driven right. And if you and if you adopt that and you say, Hey, yep, I'm I I, I buy into this idea. You're an American. Right. And I think that's what we forget, that the guy living next door to us who maybe has a different different political affiliation or the person next to us who maybe speaks English not as great as we do. Right. Right. Or the person who maybe doesn't look like us. We're all still Americans. And that should mean something. That should grant each of us a little bit of grace when we talk to each other. The yeah, and, and this is the challenge I think we've been experiencing. Is as I mentioned before, the the honor that the world gives a leader like Xi Jinping, and the ways in which he's been able to do what he's done. And you, if you read this, like constitutional democracy, that's a dangerous Western value. Uh, civil society and individual rights. Oh, jeez. Dangerous Western value. Freedom of press. Dangerous Western value. Any contradictory historical narratives, I think it's put, anything that goes against the narrative of the government is deemed dangerous. And that's a Western value. These are Western values. The other one is questioning reform. Right? So the idea that Maybe we've gone too far, or perhaps we've lost our way. Maybe we should renegotiate with ourselves here. That idea is a dangerous Western value. And if you look at what's being 
cherished for the praise of globalization. It's the antithesis of Western, also known as American values. Yeah, and, you, everything you just read off, I was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Right? right. Like, <laughs> and, 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 you know, you look, well, you, and then you could kind of go too far with some of these. We can go too far with individual rights. We could exploit capitalism a little too much. There's sure. things, there's ways in which, again, you can deconstruct our system. It's not that hard to deconstruct any system. Oh, which goes back to what you were talking about. The, oh, wait, what did you just say? Um, I lost my... I lost my thought. Continue. Right. Well, I, I mean, yeah, we're losing our thoughts here. These microphones in our face. The uh, the danger. Oh, that's right. right. Back to do we have responsibilities? Precisely. You know, and if we if we look at these things that could just like anything else, your phone, social media, there's comes a point to where that they're useful, and then they start to bleed into little bit of danger territory. Yeah. Right. And that's like anything else we've got in our in our possession. Fitness is no different. You can work out too much. You can yes. exchange one problem and you could call it exercise and there's a new problem you got and it could be detrimental to your way of life, All right? And now any values could be the same way. Too much liberty, too much freedom, All right? There's a point at which my neighbor's freedom to make noise infringes upon my right to, to peace. Well, right, <laughs> you can swing your fist as, as, as far and wide as you want as long as it doesn't hit me in the face. A thousand percent. The second it hits me in the face... And so there's a lot of discussion there about my freedom to flip, fly the fist and your right to not get yeah. punched in the face. And, you know, I think a good call on Americans right now is, is to look at one another and say, hey, how can we take more responsibility? You know, if it's for maybe it's our health. Maybe I need to be more compassionate. Maybe I need to exercise some of these harder to reach emotions, you know, because we are quick to be angry at one another. We are quick to have um, aggression and or, or express our pain in less than positive ways. And you, you're talking about, right, that, you know, going back to this idea that decisions are being made at the top without, you know, how, how included do we feel in the decisions, right? Medicare every year tries to cut reimbursement for healthcare providers, right? And to the point where healthcare providers are like, I'm not taking Medicare anymore because I can't make a, I, I can't even pay my staff, right? And so yes. then people are missing out on their healthcare. And I think we had talked about this in a previous conversation that we had had right. that, that a lot of this then comes down to communities, right? Now, obviously, short of either running for office or grouping people together to elect somebody that I really feel like is going to represent me in the halls of government yeah. until the lobbyists get their hands on them. Right. Yeah. It's but, tough. but, but that a bigger push really should be in our own communities and giving right. Gyms like suffer city or communities like the gateway fitness where my office is inside of, Right. Doing things, reaching out and helping. Reaching out huge. Right. Reaching out and helping within our community. Right. Running for town council or organizing something at your local park. Right. Like a free Saturday where people can who can't otherwise afford stuff come and participate. There's a lot. There's ways you can raise money. Uh, you know, and have some form of finance available. You know, we all know somebody who's financially impoverished right now. Yeah. Right? We all know families who are struggling right now. And maybe it's not a cash check or it's not something like that, but maybe it's a health uh, contribution. It's something to help that family or help that person or help somebody just make a correction. Or for us, I know a lot of us struggle with mental health. 
I mean, who, who listening right now hasn't experienced a tough day psychologically and you just couldn't pin your finger on as to why? Yeah. What exactly is troubling me right now? And we're dived into the day every day. We're dived into the work and our minds are stressed, you know? And yes, as you mentioned, stress is good. Hey, but what about the recovery? How often are us, your listeners, myself, we do our best, right? And we're in the business. Yeah. And we fail at that recovery piece. We fail at disengaging. We fail at just taking a moment to remind ourselves why we got up in the first place. Yeah. And that right there, that's one thing that any of us can do. Because there's a lot of us who are doing great, you know? And I know I could do a lot better. I know a lot of your listeners are probably doing very well. Maybe they could just use a little bit of appreciation for what they've done and self-appreciation. And notice some of this is like, uh, what do you say, cliche talk and, and like modern speak for like new age. Platitudes know, and things, yeah. But we are at a point right now to where we become so dependent on doctors. We become dependent on psychology. We become dependent upon pharmacy. We become dependent upon the system. And we could get dependent upon our breathing. We can become dependent upon some mindfulness tactics. We can become dependent upon the run around the block. The, we can become dependent upon that 40-minute exercise, the 30-minute, the, the bike ride. How do we start today to begin a long-term dependency upon these things? And it is community. It's knocking on the door next to you. It's talking to somebody you haven't talked to before. Maybe you go to the gym every day and you see this person that could maybe just use your inspiration. You're afraid to say something to them. Listen, they would love to hear you say it. There's in fact, actually you saying that reminded me of a guy that I saw yesterday and I thought, man, that guy's doing great. There's a dude at the gym has been seeing him out come for four or six weeks mm -hmm. and he's, he's obese. He's unhealthy. Right. I mean, it's, it's, and, but he's, but what I've, he's, he's there, he's there when I'm there and right. I'm there between four 30 and five, I get there between four 30 and five and this guy's there and he's killing it. He's on the treadmill, he's working out, he's lifting. And I'm actually seeing reduction in size mm -hmm. on this guy. And I thought, man, good for that guy. Here he is in a place where he sticks out like a sore thumb. He probably, he may or may not feel embarrassed. I don't know. Right. But how many people in that gym have walked by and went, hey, bro, fist bump, like, respect, you're, you're crushing it, keep going. You know what I mean? And, Man, and, and who and, knows if that, if he, he may, I don't know, he may be thinking about, dude, this isn't working for me or whatever, but it might, you know, and so that may be just what he needs. And you know it, Brad, you know that he does have those days where he's like, because yeah. I have those days. We have those days. Everybody listening right now, you have those days where is what I'm doing working. Right. I, I've been grinding, whether it's at the office or whether it's in the gym, whether it's in a relationship. I've been doing I've been doing the work. Right. Where's my where's my prize, bro? Where am I? Where am I getting? Where's where's the payday? Uh, you know, that that sometimes gets at us. And then there's, hey, paydays are coming. What's it for? Right. Yeah. Why don't I feel the payday? I, I, people are calling me a winner. People are saying I'm crushing it. People look at me every day like, man, how, how do I how do I get in your shoes? And then you're trying to give your shoes away, right? People are like, oh, man, I, you're trying to get, get outside of ourselves so often. And, and seems, things seem to be going incredibly well. And so we've all been there. We've all been at that point, you know, whether it's, you know, fat in the body or fat in the mind. Yeah. Right? It, it's it's a, either way, it's an epidemic. 
And these are things, these are the self-help tools that we need to begin thinking about because it starts with the thought, starts with the vegan that makes you do something you don't want to do. And maybe it's not vegan food, but maybe it's foam rolling, or maybe it's yep. going for 10,000 steps a day, or maybe it's, you know, mixing some, some, some spinach and kale into your daily nutrition. Just, just that's it. You know, if you're out there listening, you're like, Hey, what can I do today to improve my health? Spinach, kale, that'll do it. So long as you don't have any adverse effects, that's a game changer. That is such a game changer to win. It's, it, and it's not, that's one of those things where we have these small little articulations at the base that play themselves out dramatically, you know, incrementally. And as they say, things at first happen gradually, and then all of a sudden. You're talking about flywheel effect and atomic, have you ever read, have you read, I'm sure you have, Atomic Habits? This one over here has. She tells me about it all the time. It is fabulous, yeah. man. 1% better. Yeah. So talking about the, the British the Brit or English racing cycling team. Have you mm -hmm. heard the story? She tell you about the story, yes. right? So for those of you who haven't heard the story, they got they 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 sucked. They sucked so bad that there were certain Italian bike makers who arguably make some of the best road bikes in the world would not sell their bikes to these riders because they did not want these <laughs> riders to be seen on their bikes. And these guys are elite athletes too, yeah, right? Yeah. And they got a new coach. He came in and he's like, all right, we're just making small changes, right? We're just the aggregate of small changes here. So he painted all their vans white on the inside. What does that have to do with racing? Well, he could see how much dust or dirt or grime was collected in the, in the vans. And if there's dirt and grime and dust in the vans, that means it's translating to... Where, where did he get this idea? I have no idea. Okay. But it, it translates to dust and deer and yeah. grimes on your gears and your shifters and your wheels yeah. and your bearings, right? right? Then he goes, okay. Then he timed people in different jerseys. Yeah. Do some guys like wearing their indoor jersey outside when it's cold, right? And figured out who performs best at what. And then he made a small change in their jersey. We still haven't touched training yet. Yeah. Right? So he's doing all of these small little changes. Long story short, these guys, was it the... Was it the two, did they win the tour? Did one of them win the Tour de France or did they win the World Championship? One of the two. But anyway, the cycling team became like legit. Yeah. And it was only because they made these tiny, small 1% incremental changes. They got a little bit better every day. Yeah. And that compounds on itself. You tell me, I'll take, I'll take 1% interest on my money over, you know, <laughs> it just, it grows. Well, and going back to the whole concept of a lot of the reason that brought this discussion to the table is that is to some extent or another has been the way in which we've done things with Western ideology for a long time, a very incremental bit by bit way to go about it because we can make sense of those returns. Yeah. You know, we could make sense of these returns and, you know, it's interesting now because you look around, there's a interesting quote about the state of technology today to where we have the technology of gods in the hands of children us being the children ourselves yeah is, it's like giving a it's like giving a, a machine gun to a chimp it's nuts absolutely nuts you know and now we've got kids walking around with these tools um and the technology that's out there is unbelievable the yeah. technology that's in the hands of just about anybody and everybody at this point is because of the open nature of all this code is unbelievable. You know, 2019, there's a company called Alpha, or DeepMind's the name of the company, owned by Google. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Alpha Fold program. No. The protein folding program. Oh. So for any of the listeners who are 
interested in AI, artificial intelligence, the AI problem that many AI companies have been trying to solve was the CASP problem, or the way in which a protein, amino acids, fold into its machine in the body. As you know, yeah. we're constructed of hundreds of thousands of little protein machines right. that are constructed from bits of amino acids. And the difficulty in predicting how those amino acids would construct and fold into the protein molecule has been not able to be done, nor did people think it would ever be able to be done. And I think with accuracy, it had gotten up to maybe 60% accuracy at best leading up to 2019, at which point DeepMind brings AlphaFold 2, their second AI technology to solve this problem to 98% accuracy or better. Now, what is this? So a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't care about proteins or amino acids. That's fine. There's a lot of cool technology that can come from this, such as very customized medicine and things like that. What's interesting to realize, though, is this is nothing other than prediction software. It's a mm. software bot making predictions. It's learning about patterns. It's recognizing system. It's given a lot of information in this case about biomedicine and genetics and things like that to understand the orchestration of a <clears throat> amino acid or a protein. But not a whole lot is holding somebody back from taking that technology and then mapping it on to a market, a financial market, a NASDAQ. A, any one of the markets that we play on, the New York Stock Exchange. And you almost saw a little bit of that when you had the Robin Hood effect a couple of years ago. Was that like a year and a half ago? With GameStop? GameStop, right? So what was that? That was a million or so individual brokers who now had access to the same stock trading that big hedge funds had. Well, and the ability to communicate. That was the other thing that was made that possible is this all started, I think, on 4chan or Reddit or something. Yeah, Reddit chan, a little, uh, I forget what the name of this uh, chat room was, but it was a very inborn, innate thing that began to grow yeah. the same way an AI network would grow of people making decisions fast, incredibly fast. And then you get these transactions happening incredibly fast. Those who usually do the leveraging in this case you know, shorting the game stock stop. And the more they short it, apparently, if you're not familiar with how this works, is the more they short the stock, that means they're betting it to lose. They want it to lose. So they could drive the share of that stock down, the price of it down, buy more of it, and eventually they're getting paid by the people who own the company. Yeah. And in one way, shape, or form, the small people got in on the deal, leveraged the hedge funds. Hedge funds lost a lot of money. What was interesting about that is this is where people are like, well, what happened? Because the small person was making the money and then the transactions got stopped. But the thing is, what you're seeing, that's a predictive software. Somebody made a good prediction and a lot of energy got pushed to it. Right. And now people are creating financial, um, like fintech, financial technology tools to make these same predictions fast and fast and fast. And so what does that mean? That means for your individual investor, the person who's listening to you right now, maybe has their, you know, their NASDAQ, their, their little uh, trading app they're, they're working on. Be careful. Be mindful. A lot of the stuff that's going on out there isn't really about the stock price or the market. There's things that are just happening as a product of magical whiz-bang Right. activities. And it's, it's, it's another thing where we're at a point as Americans here where it's, we're having health epidemics, there's financial epidemics, we're having a convergence of issues that we are having to now either put off to future generations, or we can begin doing something about it. 
And that's, that's really, again, you know, I'm thank you for having me on here today and having this discussion and, and kind of hearing me out with regard to the broad scope of what we're aiming to do with mandate fitness. You know, is it, is it a health movement? Is it a fitness movement? It's a movement of awareness. Yeah. To wake people up to what it is that you could, what you're able to do today. Cause we're all at a different point of ability here, but we all have fitness. We all have willingness as far as we know. Right. Yeah. We've all got this impetus, this motive inside of us, this hand of God, call it what you like, but you were driven forward in life. Now let's do it with some, with some conscious thinking and let's do it with, with some open hearts. I think yeah. we've done a great job as humanity of beating things up and breaking things down. We're very good at that. We're incredibly good at it, but doesn't it feel good just to kind of let go of that sometimes. Doesn't it feel good? It's kind of like, oh man, I was such an idiot right there. Oh man, that feels good. Oh yeah. And so I think we could use a lot more feeling good because the world's a great place. It's a fabulous place. Great place. place. You know, Stephen Pinker put out that great book. uh, I think it's Better Angels of Our Fathers. And it's just a 700 page illustration of how much better of a world we're living in, in terms of access to healthcare worldwide, access to clean water less needless suffering, less, less needless dying. You know, how, how do we create the experience of all this positivity? How do we make that just enriched? And, and you know, we're at a point where we're there. We're, we're, at, we're there at human civilization. We've got the technological tools available. We need, and smart minds is what it's going to take. Smart minds. Well, what's just back real quick the technology piece, man, there's so much free content for getting healthy. There's so many free things to help you figure out how to eat better, how yeah. to move exercise, whole workout programs that you can download for free that you can do in your home yeah. without any kind of money at all. It's, it's, it's and, nuts. and so I think you're right. I think there is this, the world is an incredible place. There are incredible people doing oh, yeah. incredible things to leverage technology and leverage their position to help move this effort forward you got a podcast yeah you you get to get your word out i don't know who listens but hey there's somebody (laughs) somebody tell anybody who is listening hey because there is all that information out there's a lot of players in the game of health and fitness and those who are advertising their version of it hey find one i'd say find one maybe two and and make sure they don't disagree with each other a lot because you're gonna have a hard time getting yourself any version of fit if you're paying attention to everybody. Because yeah. a lot of people are gonna say different things about different things at different times. They're gonna be talking to different people. Maybe it's not you, but I tell you what, whether they're right half the time or wrong half the time, if you just listen to that one person, I guarantee you'll be at least better off in your mind, less confused, and you'll likely get better results as opposed to listening to all of the different people. Because uh, it could be a confusing time out there. I know there's a lot of people who advocate for uh, whether it's certain nutrition protocols, whether it's carb cycling, macro counting, and others are way into the ketogenic uh, lifestyle and the intermittent fasting. It's tough to listen to all those different people and then come to a conclusion of what's best for you, right? And so, if, hey, if you're listening out there, hey, fi- find one that makes sense, that you can kind of get a sense of belief in, you feel a trust there. And go with them. Go with them. There's there's some great ones out there, and that'll likely save you some time. Well, and where can so speaking of that, where can they find you guys on online? On right. Where? Well, we're at uh, Instagram at Suffer City. Got a lot of good content on there. Uh, whether it's motivational, inspirational, informational, uh, at 
uh, Suffer City as well on Facebook. A lot of video tutorials going on there if anybody's interested. And of course, we're on Gilbert and Warner Roads in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, and yeah, we're on YouTube as well. A lot of information going on there, workouts, full-scale workouts, instructional, things like that. And yeah, so we're available. We're able to be found, and we're looking to branch out. We're going to take our gamified competitive training model and, and, and take it into different communities, different states, and we'll be planted well throughout the country here soon. And um, yeah, absolutely. Go over to mandatefitness.com if you haven't already. Check us out. Uh, good little literature in terms of you know what are we talking about with regard to mandate fitness because it, it's broad, it's general, it's vague. I know, but there's not a lot of easy answers no. that are going to solve the problems we're dealing with today. Um, you know, like I had said before about climate, we talk a lot about climate, but a lot of people don't realize that in terms of those who are trying to actually solve for climate change and, and eco health. Their top answer is improving nutrition in schools. Yeah. And you think like, wait, you, it's not reduce carbon. It's not get car. No, it's completely counterintuitive to what we think. Most of the answers that are going to solve the big problems, they're so counterintuitive. And, I've, and that's, again, we're at this point right now. Where we've been trying to solve these complex problems with very reactionary ideas. And so it's uh, mandate fitness is, isn't fully reactionary. We're going to be around for a long time or we're, we're advocates for, from my position, anybody who wants to express the willingness to improve the quality of their life, they deserve it. You deserve it. And whether it's informed consent and having the full value of knowledge available to you before subscribing to something that could alter the entire course of your life or not, you deserve to have the knowledge. Um, if there's alternative forms of healthcare, alternative forms of treatment, other ways to get the outcome you want, and it's sustainable, you should have access to that. You should be made known about this information. We haven't had it, it's been too long, and we're starting to pay the price, and people need to, <laughs> we all need to say something. To, you know, we need to speak out to our leaders, we need to, whether it's writing letters, but like I said, and you've said, need to get together. People yeah. need to start relating with one another in the world and having these, I call it a metabolic exchange of energy because we're lacking it. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming in. This is a perfect place to put a pin in this dude. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. And yeah. Hanging out and seeing you more. And if, if anybody else is in the competitive, if you guys are competitive in the functional fitness world, they've also got a, a pretty uh, unreal competition coming suffer up. They will suffer fest in April. That April second, April will 3rd, challenge, check it out. Will challenge your soul. So anyway, check out Suffer City on Instagram, Facebook, uh, MandateFitness.com, and yeah, man, thanks for Great. coming by. Thanks for having me, man. All right.